This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. We'll invite you to open your Bible to Psalm 133. Psalm 133. We were going to be back in the uh, book of Luke this morning, but... uh, The Lord last night changed my preaching text to Psalm 133. This is a text I've actually preached at our church before, but I feel like it's uh, uh, applied uh, really uh, appropriately today. Um, Would you guys help me out? Somebody grab this stool for me. I would be awesome. Um, Thank you so much. Look at that. Uh, Look at that. Two gals in the house. Come on, somebody give me a flex. I see that. Love it. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, your servants. Uh, So Psalm 133 is where you're finding your place. Earlier... uh, this week or last, I was on a Zoom call, and I know that that's death for many of you, and you're like, thank God I'm done with Zoom calls, but I was on a Zoom call with a bunch of pastors, and um, actually a smaller group of pastors, but I was on the call with a group of pastors, and, and the guy that was leading us is just a mentor of mine. I just admire him so much. I just respect how he leads. I really look up to him, and, and he was just sharing about how in his church, they're at about 80% of pre-COVID attendance. And I was just struck again about how God has so, um, has so blessed our church with such a vibrancy through the pandemic. And you may ask, Pastor, why, why has God done that? Like, why has our church been so blessed during this pandemic to experience growth and to experience such a vibrancy and a vitality uh, during such a difficult time? And it's just been brutal for churches all over the country, for pa- pastors all over the country. It's just been so difficult to maintain the vibrant ministry that they experienced before uh, the pandemic. And you may ask, Pastor, why has our church experienced such growth and such a vitality and vibrancy through the pandemic? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why God has chosen to bless our church in such a rich way. There's probably dozens of factors, but I, I, think, I think I may know one factor that I want to share with you this morning as to why God has blessed uh, our church And it's found in Psalm 133, and it's because we as a church have chosen loving unity when a myriad of differences could have divided us. I think one of the reasons why we've experienced growth, I think one of the the reasons we've experienced the manifested presence of God, I think one of the reasons we've experienced such vibrancy and vitality through the pandemic is while we could have allowed our differences to divide us, we chose to embrace one another in loving unity. And um, look at Psalm 133 with me, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. Look at this, Psalm 133, just three verses Behold, now that's an ancient way to say, check this out, all right? So check this out. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. The first idea this morning is just simply this. Unity invites the blessing of God. Unity invites the blessing of God. Look at verse 1 again. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Turn that around in the negative way. 
Behold, how bad and unpleasant it is when brothers argue about petty things. Do you see it? Behold, how bad and unpleasant that congregation is. In my sight, says the Lord, when they allow their differences to unnecessarily divide them. Do you see that, church? Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And then look down at verse 3. For there, the end of it, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life, forevermore. Where? Where has he commanded this blessing? Where unity resides. Where unity resides. You just think about it, about all the differences that we have that could have divided us in the last couple of years. In this room, we have differences about what we think about masks. And that could have divided us. We have differences about what we think about vaccines, and that could have divided us. We have differences about what our political persuasions are, and that could have divided us. We have racial differences, and that could have divided us. There's all kinds of things that could have divided us. But church, I want to say, way to go. Add a boy, add a girl. Way to do it, family of God. You chose unity. You chose unity. And some of you are like, pastor, I didn't. Faking it. And we say, keep it real. <laughs> and may today be the day that you repent. But as a church, collectively, we chose unity. And it's been beautiful. You know, we could, have been, we could be divided over school rivals. And on Friday night, it's okay to be, you know. <laughs> right? You, know, you go to a Clarksville High Rossview game, and when they're announcing the other players, everybody just turns their back, you know. Right? It's kind of fun, isn't it, to have that kind of unity? But isn't it beautiful on Sunday morning, like Rossview and Clarksville High folks come together and exalt Jesus in this place together? We lock arms confessing our sin and exalting our Savior in this place. And it doesn't matter what school you go to. It doesn't matter what side of town you live on. We're here to exalt Jesus. That's our anthem. That's our banner. That's what we're about here. That's our lead story here. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a community group. And um, in that community group, we've got... Um, Two guys that work in the same business, and their business are competitors. And every Tuesday night, they roll in, and they love one another as the body of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That's the way it's supposed to be, church. And listen, this year, this year, our church is going to be tested. Maybe tested more than we were tested through the pandemic. Because sometime on this calendar year, Lord willing... We're going to reveal some drawings. Now, these amazing architects are going to have drawn. And some of you are going to be like, I don't like it. It's too big, too small. Flow, I don't like the flow. I, don't, I just don't like the flow. You're going to see a, like a little a picture. and you're, I don't like the colors. I don't like the colors. We're going to be tested. You know, and I just think, well, right now we have like go-karts and putt-putt in here, you know? <laughs> like it's only up from here, right? <laughs> I mean, some of you are teetotalers and you're like, alcohol is of the devil, and you walk through a bar to get to church, right? <laughs> you know? It's only going to get better, right? <laughs> and we laugh, but the reality is it'll be a test for us. Because we're going we're gonna to invest, we're going to make sacrifices, every one of us are going to give to this project, and we're going to have a preference, and we're going to have an opinion. And in that moment, we can allow our preference and our opinion and the differences of those to divide us, or we can choose to embrace loving unity. Church, listen to me. We are not going to be the church that allows the color 
of paint on a wall or what the floors look like or what the chairs look like or the flow of a bed. We are not going to be the church that are going to argue over that. We won't. Listen, there's plenty of churches in our community that if you want to argue about that, we can hook you up with a great church that wants to argue about that. No, listen, I'm serious. We will not be the church that argues over that church. You're going to have an opinion. You're going to have a preference, but we're not going to be the church that argues over that. Listen, and if that's who you are, then you're not us. And if that's what you want to do, then this place is not for you. You're going to have your preference and you're going to have your opinion, and it's going to be great. We're just not going to let it divide us. Why? Because there's something so much more important than our opinion and our preference over our future facility. Unity invites the blessing of God, and we want to invite the blessing of God. A pretty building that's like perfect in every way, like that's not what invites the blessing of God. It's when God's people set their differences aside and say, we're we're going to exalt Jesus. You know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So that's what we're doing. Listen, what we're not doing as a church is we're not trying to guess where do the majority of the people fall on this social issue and then be as loud as we can about that social issue so as to try, try to draw the, long, the largest crowd. No, we're here to exalt Jesus, and we know that Jesus promised that when we exalt him, he's going to draw all men to himself. And church, I just want to say, way to go. Thank you for being you because this pandemic, it has ruined some churches, and what it's done is it's revealed his church here. It's revealed his church here. And you've been the body of Christ in a beautiful way. And I just want to say thank you. But I want to say this year we're going to be tested because we're all going to have an opinion and we're all going to have a preference. But we will not be the church that lets our opinion and our preferences about our future facility divide us. Amen? Amen. Amen. The second idea that we see here is unity is a prerequisite for acceptable ministry. Unity is a prerequisite for acceptable ministry. Look at verse 2 with me. It is like precious oil on the head. What is? Unity is. Look at it. He says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. What's going on? Why is unity like oil running down on the beard? Turn over quickly with me to the book of Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 29. I want to help you to see and understand what verse 2 means. Turn over to Exodus chapter 29 and find verse 1. These were instructions that God was giving to his people and to the priests on the rituals that they had to undergo for the priests' ministry to be acceptable to God. So there were lots of little things. This was a really big deal. Because God is holy, God had a very prescribed way that the priests would conduct their ministry. And he laid it out and he described it here. And we see in uh, Exodus chapter 29, we see these details. So look at this with me in verse 1. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. So here's the prerequisites. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread and unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron and the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You're like, holy cow, they had a lot of stuff they had to do before the priest's ministry was acceptable to God. Look at verse 7. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head 
and anoint him. Now turn back to Psalm 133. And look at verse 2 again. Psalm 133, verse 2. Look at it. Unity, it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Do you see that? It's a prerequisite before our ministry is acceptable to the Lord. Listen, you guys are a serving church, and I love watching you in action. Folks show up here at 5 a.m. to start setting things up. It's amazing. You know, then they go eat at Waffle House, and they go pick up their family and bring them to church. It's beautiful. Folks are here filling up the baptism. Folks are here running security. Folks are here running real-life kids and real-life babies through pre-K. And we got people in the prayer team praying in the back. And we're all singing our songs this morning. You've got all kinds of ministry that's taking place here. You've got the welcome team greeting folks, sometimes outside, sometimes inside, sometimes in here. They're everywhere. People are serving the Lord everywhere in this place on Sunday morning. It's beautiful. But the Lord says, I don't want it. I don't want it if you're going to let your differences divide you when my son shed his blood to unite you. I don't want it. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Do you hear what the Lord is saying? He's saying, stop singing your songs and get along. Unity. Unity. He's saying, you might might have the most beautiful voice and the loudest praise. You might lift your hands and fall to your knees. But if you're not loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't want your worship. Wow. But church, can I just say, you've been the beautiful bride of Christ. You've embraced one another. You've come together. You know, sometimes in the name of keeping the peace, we avoid people. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like you've got that person that just pushes all your wrong buttons. Do you know what I mean? You're like, that's why we come to the second service, because they go to the first service. (laughs) You you know, you know the people. Anytime you're around them, you just your your blood pressure goes up. You're just like, they just know how to push all my wrong buttons. And here's what you've done. You've thought, okay, in the name of keeping the peace, when I see them, I'm just going to go the other way. And you think you're keeping unity. God has something so much better for us. Not avoiding one another to keep the peace, but embracing one another in the name of Jesus to cultivate loving unity, despite our differences, despite how annoying they are, despite who they voted for. Embrace embracing, lovingly embracing one another. This is the kind of unity that God is talking about, the psalmist is talking about in Psalm 33, 133. Years ago, I was preaching this, uh, this teenage camp up in the Ozark Mountains. And the first night I was preaching, I thought, man, this is going to be a really great camp because all the teenagers, they were just dialed in. They were lingering on every word. I mean, they were like with me. And I was like, man, this is going to be a great week. And somewhere around the, like the morning of the second day, news was shared with me that at the end of the week they do like this talent show. And so uh, these girls formed this group and they were going to do a lip sync of the Backstreet Boys. Now somebody help me, how many Backstreet Boys are there? Five. Who said that? Thank you. God bless you. We got a brother, a brother knowing the Backstreet Boys. All right, I feel you. All right, so there's five. Well, you know what happened, right? Six. 
there were six girls that were going to do the lip sync. So you can imagine, we can't have six. We got to have five because there's only five. So the drama meter just went from two to eight on Tuesday. You guys been there. You know what I'm talking about, right? We can't have six. We got to have five because there's only five. Well, man, they started arguing, and they were going to get the adults, and it was, it was a mess. And this one little girl, she had such a passion for unity. She had such a passion for unity. She said, maybe we need to pray that a tornado would come and send somebody to the hospital, and I bet we would, <laughs> I bet we would stop arguing about the Backstreet Boys, you know. And I said, yes, no, no, yeah, no. And I said, I don't think we should pray for that. But here's what happened. They kept arguing. And one day in the afternoon, a group of kids went down to the creek. And and hours went by, and nobody saw them. Nobody could spot them. They were gone. We didn't know where they were. The sun started going down. They still didn't know where they were. Well, as it turns out, they went all the way down this creek, several miles down. The sun started going down. They got scared. They got out of the creek. They went into this abandoned house and they started burning toilet paper. I don't know how they did this. They started burning toilet paper in the, like in the old fireplace in this house. And finally, you, you, know, what, you know what happened about 8 o'clock that night it was, as it was dark? All the arguments of the Backstreet Boys, I didn't hear a single argument. Nobody, they were praying for their lost friends in the woods. The prayer meeting started early around the bonfire and they're crying out, God, we hope they're safe. Lord, protect them. Lord, help us find them. The kids thought, the kids thought that the creek was like a lazy river float, you know, like at a water park, you know. And they were just like a mile from launching into a big river. Well, they found them and they were fine. Well, why do I tell you that story? Just to say, listen, let's invite the blessing of God, not the loving discipline of God. let Let's choose loving unity. Let's set our differences aside. Let's choose loving unity and invite the blessing of God. Let's not argue about petty things and let's not let um, issues that should not divide us as the family of God, let's not let them divide us and invite the discipline of God where he might send us down the creek. You guys tracking with me? Look at this next idea is unity propels the mission. Unity propels the mission. Look at verse 3 with me. Unity propels the mission. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Unity is like what? Look at verse 3. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. How many of you grew up playing soccer and you remember when you had the early game, you hated the early game because you'd get out there and dew is all over the ground and your cleats are soaked before the game starts. You remember how annoying that was? What happens when dew falls is that it softens the ground. And what the psalmist is saying is that when we set our differences aside and we choose loving unity under the banner of Jesus Christ, it softens the heart of an unbelieving world. You say, Pastor, is that what that really means? Is that, really, that sounds like a little bit of a stretch. Is that what that means? Listen to what Jesus says in John 17. I do not ask for these only. He's praying for his disciples. He says, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's many of us this morning. We've believed in the apostles' word. We've believed in the disciples' writings. We we have believed in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Jesus is praying for us while he was still on the earth. Well, what does he pray? He says that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That's pretty radical unity there, isn't it? 
We have a hard time explaining the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, three persons, the mystery of God that just makes us worship God. And he prays that we would be that unified as the Trinity is. That they may also be in us so that the world may believe. There it is. So that the world may believe that you sent me. In other words, what Jesus is praying is that we would be unified. We'd lovingly embrace one another. We'd set our differences aside so that the unbelieving world would be magnetically drawn in to experience a hope that they don't yet know. Listen, we take it for granted in the church And sometimes we just need to engage our imagination and imagine what would it be like to be an unbeliever? To not have a church family. What would it be like? Well, here's what it would be like. Everybody's angry at everybody. Our country is more polarized and divided than it's ever been about everything. And your neighbors and your coworkers and your friends that you work out with, that's their reality every day. So when we as the body of Christ put our differences aside and choose loving unity, we give them a magnet of hope. Listen, the world finds no hope in coming into the body of Christ and only seeing a mirror of themselves. But when they come in and see, oh, wow, they forgive one another quickly. Wow, they assume the best in one another. Wow, I know what her her political persuasion is, and I know what his political persuasion is, and they're back at the prayer station praying together. Wow. That's what the world needs to see, is that there's something better than what they're experiencing right now. They need to know that there's something better than revenge, that there's something better than bitterness, that there's something better than the cancel culture that's so rampant in every arena. And we need to be not the cancel culture in the church, we need to be the embracing culture. As a consecrated church, we just we come together. Unity propels the mission forward. Years ago, uh, years ago, I was um, home from college. Let me say that again. Many years ago, I was home from college, and I came into a Sunday morning Bible study class. And um, that morning, they were debating like this um, this doctrine in the Bible study class. They were debating it. And, um, you know, you think that's pretty, like, first-time guest-friendly, you know? Hey, welcome to Bible study this morning. We're having a debate. Pick which side of the room you want to be on, right? And um, what, what happened over the next hour was absolutely beautiful because literally half the room was on, on one side of the room and half the room was on the other side of the room. And they had a difference about what they believed, about a particular doctrine. And they were debating it, going back and forth. One would share one, another would share another, another. And the spirit in the room was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was evident that the people debating loved one another. I I hadn't been around in a while. I've been at college. I show back up. We're having a debate. I think, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be interesting. It was more than interesting. It was beautiful. Because you could tell they were brothers and sisters in Christ that cared deeply for one another. And that their love for one another unified them, though they had differences about a particular doctrine. What a model. Some some of you have never seen a debate with a beautiful spirit. You're like, that exists? It must exist in the body of Christ. It must exist because if it doesn't, we will be irrelevant to the watching world. Absolutely irrelevant. If we can't debate doctrinal differences in love, 
The world doesn't want anything to do with that. Why? Because that's all they get every day. Debate, angry debate, canceling debate, I don't trust you debate. And there's something refreshing when we trust one another and we love one another and we assume the best in one another and we forgive one another quickly and we're willing to debate a doctrine to sharpen our minds, to sharpen our, our understanding of the Scripture. But we do it with love. We do it with care. And we're going to go to lunch after church, after the debate, together. We can become and be that kind of church. And church, I really want to say to you, you've been that kind of church. I just, I just want to say thank you I I just want to say the Lord looks upon you, church, and says, it's good and it's pleasant because through a pandemic, my church has dwelled together in unity. So way to go and let's celebrate to the glory of God what God has done in us. Amen. But let's be aware this year we're going to be tested as a church to allow our opinions and our differences and, and who knows what the next major cultural potential division is for his church. Just who knows what it is. But let's be prepared. Let's pledge today that we will not let petty differences divide us. Can we pledge that? You think, I don't know. I don't know if I've got that in me. Here's the final point. Are you ready for it? Here's the the final point. Jesus empowers unity. He commands it, he prayed for it, and he empowers it. Listen, when you trusted in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God came to live inside of you, never to leave you. And He empowers you to forgive quickly. He empowers you to assume the best. He empowers you to say, His family is more important than your political agenda. So let's just push pause on this. Let's just turn the volume down on this. And let's turn the volume up on our praises of Jesus. Because when our praise of Jesus is loud, we're unified in this place despite our differences. Do you see it? Come on, church, let's be this. Some of you are like, I need help. Jesus empowers it. I can't do it on my own. Jesus empowers it. I've been angry for a year. Jesus can take away your anger. I've been bitter for a year. Jesus can take away your bitterness. I've been skeptical for 10 years. Jesus can take it away. Would you surrender to him today? Would you just bring your heart Wherever it is this morning, would you just bring it to him today? Church, God has such a bright future for us. But one of the hallmarks of our church must be moving forward is that we choose loving unity. Let's be that kind of church. Let's keep being that kind of church. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, help us. Oh, God, help us. We just confess, oh, Lord, in our flesh, we're so prone. We're so prone to division. We're so prone to distrust. We're so prone to jealousy and envy and bitterness. Oh God, help us. Help us. Forgive us. Renew us. Restore us. Strengthen us. Thank you, God, for the blessed year, for the blessed two years. Thank you, God, for the way you have moved in the hearts of this body, this church, that we have chosen loving unity. And I pray, dear God, you would protect us that tomorrow and next week and next month that we might continue to choose loving unity and that we might be a city on a hill, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. May may we be a magnet for people that need hope, oh God. Do it for your glory in this place, among this people. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing out, church. Let's sing out. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.